You know, my mother, the last time that she voted for a Democrat for president was 1976. And this is a direct quote. That was a mistake, as she put it. My Fox News watching Republican voting ma, not necessarily the person who you would have expected to have owned a necklace with a ERA medallion on it that was made by Tony Carabillo in 1976, who, as a lesbian feminist, was not exactly the, we'll just go with the face of you know, Republican politics. And at the same time, I think that it really speaks to the cross-section of women across the country who know that we need to have this done so that their daughters and every other person who ever comes after them have full equality of rights under the law within the Constitution of the United States. You must remember that when the Constitution was written, that women were regarded as property. The struggle for an equal rights amendment traces back to 1923 when feminist Alice Paul wrote the words that became ERA. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. So as we march today, remember, forward together, backward never. If you could change one thing about the Constitution, what would it be? I would add an equal rights amendment to the Constitution. Today, the House of Representatives cleared a hurdle to make the Equal Rights Amendment the 28th Amendment to the Constitution. The House voted to remove a deadline for states to ratify the amendment, which would guarantee women the same legal rights as men. Hi, I'm Kate Kelly, human rights attorney, feminist, and advocate for the Equal Rights Amendment. And this is Ordinary Equality. Last episode, we talked about the resurrection of the ERA culminating in its modern-day ratification in Nevada, the 36th state to sign on. With the three-state strategy, that meant one down, two to go. The 2016 election, the subsequent women's marches, the Me Too movement, all put newfound energy into the somewhat dormant nationwide women's rights movement. Today, we're going to talk about the final two state ratifications and the federal plan to get this thing wrapped up once and for all. Our first stop is the great state of Illinois. The first time around, Illinois was a major ERA battleground. You may remember that it was the home state of Phyllis Schlafly. She ran for Congress in Illinois and lost twice. Many of the same Schlafly-esque tactics were used this time around to try to get Republicans to vote against ratification. But this time, they didn't work. For his take on what went down and how he saw through those arguments, I spoke with Steve Anderson, a Republican state representative from Illinois' 65th district. I've always had a, a bent toward feminist orientation, but I would say that, that the, the defining moment actually came when I was a new legislator. And what had happened was actually a group that was very much opposed to the ERA came to me and said, you're a new legislator, but you're a Republican. We're on your side. We want to make sure that you're aware of this resolution, uh, which is very, very bad, very bad. And so they gave it to me and they gave me some of their brochures or pamphlets and information about why this 
this resolution was very, very bad. And it turned out to be the ERA. So uh, I was surprised, but I said, okay, uh, and what's the big issue? And they said, well, it's abortion, because this will allow unfettered access to abortion, public funding of abortion, just abortion, abortion, abortion. Normally, that would make this a very easy vote for Steve. He would vote against it. I said, okay, well, I am a pro-life Republican, so that is obviously of concern to me. And if you're right, I'm with you. This is a bad bill or bad resolution. And I said, oh, look, but I'm a lawyer. It's my job to know the bills that I'm voting for. It's not just to uh, take anybody's word for it. And so I did my own research on it. And I was very quickly able to ascertain that they weren't just mischaracterizing this. They were outright lying about it. Inadvertently, the lobbyists hoping to push Steve against the ERA actually did the opposite. Steve decided to hop on board and become an active proponent. Through the hard work of many, the bill got to the floor. So the way Illinois passes bills in the House is uh, every bill has to be read three times. uh, But then when you're debating the bill on the third time, there is a period of time in which we're allowed to vote. We vote by buttons at our desks, but it appears on a big screen on both sides of the chamber that everybody can see. Uh, Red is no, green is yes, and there's a yellow that means may, you know, no, but it's light no. Yellow is an appropriate color for it, in my opinion. Now, whoever is running the chamber, whoever is in the chair, has to read at the end. They open the voting. And after we had debated for three, four hours late into the evening, it says, the voting is open, please, you know, vote. They have to say the following three times. Have all voted who wish. Have all voted who wish. Have all voted who wish. Mr. Clerk, please take the record, okay? When the chair says record, that last word, the clerk locks out the button. So whatever your button is, is there. Until that moment, people can switch their votes over and over from green to red to yellow and so forth. And we saw the vote totals shoot up to 69. Need 71 to pass this thing. So it shoots up to 69. We're very emotional and it stalls at 69. And understand this place is a free for all of yelling and shouting. And then we saw that there were two Democrats from the city of Chicago who hadn't voted at all. They were kind of trying not to do anything. And so I had a friend down near them who then just yelled at them and said, you think you're going to get reelected in the city of Chicago or you think you're going to get to run for judge? One of them might run for judge if you're going to offend half the population, the women of of our state. And they both very quietly hit their switches green. So then it shoots to 71, right? We've won. Everybody's jubilant. The clerk locks out the the buttons, like I said. And at that moment, I look up at the screen and I see 72 votes. I'm like, wait a minute. What just happened? Somebody, so I had to quickly look who's up there that I didn't realize. And it was my leader, uh, my Republican leader, uh, legislator named Jim Durkin. And Jim had voted for him. Despite the fact that 75% of the Republican caucus had voted against it, its leader decided that it was time to go against the tide for equality's sake. I'm very proud to be on the right side of history on this, and I'm proud to have him there with me. But he said, I couldn't not do this. I had to do it for my daughter. He had voted against uh, marriage equality, and I don't know his heart on marriage equality, uh, but I got the distinct sense that uh, this was the time he was going to vote what I think he really believed. I don't think this was just, oh, my daughter told me so or something. But I think he was voting for his daughter. Just like I said, I did this for my daughter and my son. I think Jim was doing it 
for the future and, and for his, you know, the picture in his mind. Illinois became the 37th state to ratify the ERA, and it was a bipartisan effort. For Steve, that makes sense. In fact, he thinks Republicans should go all in on the ERA. After all, it was part of the GOP platform for decades. Republicans need to pick a social issue that's theirs. This is an awesome one. There are no whammies with this one, just wins. And so for me, it's a no-brainer because, you know, our party is perceived as being very monolithic these days. And I think that's unfortunate because it's not true. So if you're not going to believe in climate change, if you're not going to believe in LGBTQ rights, if you're not going to believe in women's rights, I'm running out real quick here. So of at least those couple of examples that I just popped out, the easy one is women. Let's let's show women that Republicans actually like women. How hard is that? And, and I do want to change the narrative because I feel like we are the party of no right now. And that evolves over time, but, but we have become a very negative-oriented party. Steve's a really down-to-earth, pragmatic guy. Enacting meaningful legislation is the reason he got into politics in the first place. And for me, uh, to be able to fight for something as monumental as this that has the impact that we'll have to to not just my state, but to our country, and I think ultimately to our world, uh, to be able to elevate women's rights to that same level is just, you know, what an opportunity, right? For any of us to be able to say, I voted for or I passed an amendment to the U.S. Constitution, that doesn't happen every day. Uh, hardly ever happens. And to do it for such such an important topic, um, for me, that that makes it, you know, for me. That's why I became a legislator, not to vote on boring bills, not to decide routine stuff. I wanted to be there to make a difference. And this was my chance, or one of my chances, but, but one of the ones that I carve on my tombstone, if you will, of things that, that I can say, I did this. There's this great quote by Mark Twain, and the quote basically says, everyone has two most important days of their life, the day that they are born and the day they find out why they were born. And I love that quote because I think I found out why, and I think it's this. And to me, it's so important to be able to elevate the, the rights of women, not just for women, but for women and men, because when we get more people at the table, where we're all being treated equally, where we all get to brainstorm together, our ideas are better and our results are better. After victory in Illinois, ERA advocates had to look to the South there were only 13 more states that had not given the thumbs up, and none of those 13 were going to be an easy win. Still, if you've been listening, you know they did it. Virginia became the 38th and final state necessary to ratify the ERA this January, 2020. Though there was a Republican chief patron of ERA ratification in the Virginia Senate, the Republican leaders in the House continually blocked the ERA from ever coming to the floor for a vote. Here's Virginia State Delegate Danica Rome. Danica represents the state's 13th district. We shouldn't have had to have this fight happen when the Virginia State Senate passed this legislation to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment three of the last five years. It shouldn't have taken until we had Democratic majorities in the state Senate and the state House for the first time since the you know mid-1990s for us to get this done. And yet that is the reality that is before us. And therefore, you know, I know for the people who have had this be a part of their lives 
for so long, for so many of them, they will not have lived to see this moment. And that is so sad. And at the same time, it also strengthens my resolve to make sure that no generation of women or any other person for that matter ever has to go another day without us having this done so that equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Danica made history in 2017 when she was elected, and in 2018, she became the first openly transgender person to both be elected and serve in any U.S. state legislature. So she was in Virginia state government when the ERA failed in 2018 and 2019. This time around, she campaigned to make sure it didn't happen again. 12,077 people across the 13th district welcomed me as their state delegate in 2017 when they voted for me. And 12,066 people of the 13th district welcomed me when they re-elected me on November 5th. Therefore, one of the delegates who will be voting to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment is transgender. And by being a trans woman who will be voting for this, not only do I put a face to this in terms of the legislators who are going to be voting on this on the House floor, for example, but at the same time, I also recognize that representation is power and representation matters and that it is important that intersectionality be emphasized as much as possible because it is inherently part of the Equal Rights Amendment from the get-go. It must be intersectional. It must include people of all sorts of identities. And the reason it must is because women come in all sorts of identities. It is not something for us to say, well, this will protect uh, some people, but not everyone. The Constitution of the United States of America must protect all of its citizens, period. Virginia State Senator Jennifer McClellan was also part of the fight to ensure the 2020 vote would have a different, better outcome. I got elected to the House of Delegates in 2005 and um, sworn in in 2006, and pretty much every year a resolution was introduced, and um, I, I never sat on any of the committees that it went to, and it never made it to the floor. So I moved over to the Senate in 2017 and started paying a little more attention to it, and then in the 2018 session was in the committee room when it was up for a vote. And I've always supported it. And I always, you know, I was a co-patron several times. And when it came up for the vote in 2018 and just watching that train wreck unfold, because it, uh, it did not get out of committee in the Senate that year. And it was a very dramatic moment. I was just like, whoa, like, this is crazy. <laughs> why is this, why is this not a thing yet? And so we kicked off a campaign in August and really beat the bushes and built up sort of grassroots support that really made a difference because in 2019, the first day of the session, the Senate committee that had killed it the year before passed it out. And then it passed the Senate maybe in a week and no there were no changes on the committee other than they were like, oh, 
we better do this. <laughs> Unfortunately, on the House side, it died in committee that was stacked. There were efforts to try to bring it up on the floor, um, including a rules change that would have specifically allowed it by, by majority vote. Um, that died by on a tie. And uh, we just said, okay, time to get back out and continue the grassroots campaign and come back in 2020. The grassroots campaigning in Virginia really worked. They did many huge statewide education campaigns about constitutional equality. They rented a bus and did an ERA bus tour across the state, stopping at college campuses and whistle stops from Richmond to Arlington and everywhere in between. These efforts made the ERA an issue that people actually knew about. When I would travel to Virginia leading up to the election, my Uber driver would ask me about the ERA. The bellhop at the hotel would chat me up about whether or not we were going to ratify. The growing popularity of the movement on the ground energized Jennifer McClellan and the others fighting to really make it happen. It was really an awakening that it's still possible. And I really have to credit Nevada and Illinois, because I think being the 30-day state is different than being the 36th or 37th. And so I think before Illinois and Nevada, it was kind of a, yeah, but even if we do it, it's not done. And now it's a, hey, we could be the ones that do it. And what's really exciting, and I wish it had been in 2019, because, you know, Virginia's been on the wrong side of history for so many centuries that if we were able to pass it in the same year we were commemorating the 400th anniversary of sort of representative democracy and, you know, the recruitment of English women and the, the arrival of the first recorded Africans, that would have been poetic justice. But if we do it during the centennial of women earning the right to vote, that's just as poetic. So I'm okay with that too. Thanks to the efforts of a huge, well-oiled grassroots group called VA Ratify ERA, working with legislators like Danica, Jennifer McClellan, Jennifer Carol Foy, who we've heard from in other episodes, and many others, Virginia finally ratified the Equal Rights Amendment on January 27, 2020. This year marks the 100th anniversary of women winning the right to vote in this country. People may not know it, but the fight to instill equal rights regardless of sex in our U.S. Constitution is nearly as old. That fight became a big part of the national conversation in the 1970s. Yesterday, all these years later, Virginia's legislature voted to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment making it the 38th state to do so. That means three-quarters of all states have ratified, as the Constitution requires. Danica Rome literally tattooed the text of the ERA on her arm in celebration. She was so excited. Volunteers and state legislators across the country have done their part. Now it's time to turn to the feds. More on that after the break. Hey guys, we're all pretty concerned about comfort these days, especially when it comes to bras. You need something you can wear all day long. That's why I'm really excited about my third love bra. It's got no tags, no itching, it's lightweight, it's really flexible and comfortable, and that's what we need, comfort all day long. Another thing I really like about third love is that they donate their gently used returned bras to people who need them. Another thing that's great in these times is that third love bras are really easy to find online. 
They have a fit finder quiz. You can find the perfect fit. There's all kinds of different tests and ways to know that you're getting the right one. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash equality to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash equality for 15% off today. So we won, right? Mm, Sort of. In case you haven't been listening carefully, there are a few more hurdles to jump before the ERA is signed, sealed, and delivered. The biggest problem is the pesky deadline Congress tacked onto the preamble to the amendment that ended in 1982. Most ERA advocates agree the easiest, most surefire path to overcoming that deadline is congressional action. Congress put it in, Congress can take it out. There are now bills both in the House of Representatives and the Senate to do just that. Maryland Senator Ben Cardin is a co-sponsor of the Senate resolution in Congress. It's a bipartisan effort there, too. I think we're beyond the debate as to whether we believe in equality uh, in gender. So I think it it shouldn't be a partisan issue. Senator Murkowski, a Republican from Alaska, is my co-sponsor of the resolution. Uh, So this is a bipartisan resolution to extend the date. On the House side of things, efforts are being led by a familiar voice, Representative Carolyn Maloney. Carolyn has attempted over and over to draw attention to the ERA. Finally, the wind was behind her. And what I think is so unique and wonderful about this moment is the amount of energy since the 2016 election. And in this last election, we elected over 100 women to Congress, and it has made a tremendous difference in in the priorities and the issues that we have put forward, many of them that have been ignored in the realm of women. And I'd say the energy of the Women's March, the Time's Up, the Me Too movement, all really built a framework of energy that has propelled so many women and a Democratic majority to Congress where we can finally pass these issues and work on them. Carolyn couldn't even get a hearing with the Judiciary Committee until last year. Back when they wouldn't even give her a hearing, she sallied forth undeterred. She made her own shadow hearing and invited all the members of the House. Well, you can explain it to other members of Congress, but Congress's attention, because we are looking at the the challenges for the whole country, we're constantly moving from issue to issue. And if they don't feel like it's not ready to pass or it doesn't have the support to pass, they don't pay a lot of attention to it. Uh, I had been pushing for hearings ever since I came to Congress with the Judiciary Committee. I had not received one, so I decided to have my own hearing. Actress and activist Alyssa Milano attended and spoke at that hearing, drawing national attention to the cause. And I uh, was honored to testify and say why it made sense to me. Uh, But more importantly, there were other witnesses there who were testifying on how the Equal Rights Amendment would have helped them in their struggles in their lives. It was a wonderful thing and I'll never forget it because afterwards, Congressman Nadler came over to me and he said, when I'm the leader of this body, we will have a hearing on the Equal Rights Amendment and he kept his word. 
Representative Nadler did indeed keep his promise. Here's Carolyn Maloney again. The House held its first official hearing on the Equal Rights Amendment in 36 years. And this was long, long overdue. I had the honor of testifying in, in this hearing. And I, I am really grateful to Chairman Nadler of the Judiciary Committee. I was there for that hearing. The House Judiciary Subcommittee on the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties, Tuesday, April 30th, 2019. The committee room was electric. There was a subsequent full committee hearing in November 2019. There were impassioned speeches by congresspeople in support of the ERA, like Congressman Joe Naguse of Colorado. Inclusion of the ERA in our Constitution is not for us, but for the next generation and all those who will follow, uh, including uh, my daughter, who's 14 months old. It is not for today, but for tomorrow and for her and the assurance that the fundamental equality of women will not be subject to the ever-changing congressional and judicial representation. And let us be clear, this is not based on any partisan ideology, but on that foundational understanding of freedom and of justice, which each of us here share, that we are all created equal, endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. I hope that my colleagues will join me in ensuring that those rights are extended and guaranteed to all peoples with unquestioning resolve. I, I want to just close uh, by quoting one of the mothers of the suffrage movement. Uh, my distinguished colleague from Pennsylvania mentioned her earlier, and that was the author of the ERA, Alice Paul, who said, quote, I never doubted that equal rights was the right direction. Most reforms, most problems are complicated. But to me, there is nothing complicated about ordinary equality. On behalf of ordinary equality, I urge you to support this legislation. And with that, I yield back. The Judiciary Committee voted out the bill, removing the deadline, and the room full of ERA advocates from all around the country erupted in applause. That bill then moved from that committee to the full House of Representatives this year, where it also passed, the moment ERA advocates had been waiting for for almost 40 years. Now, as is the case with a whole lot of legislation, we're waiting on the Senate. If and when the Senate moves, it's possible that these bills will be the final necessary piece of making the ERA official. That's a big if. There are also legal battles. The attorneys general of the last three states, Nevada, Illinois, and Virginia, have filed a lawsuit in federal court to have their ratifications recognized and to certify the ERA once and for all. The ERA will probably go all the way up to the Supreme Court. If the court were to rule against deleting the deadline, which would be a big stretch for a process the Constitution explicitly leaves up to Congress in Article 5, the members of the House and the Senate who are currently working on Plan A also have a Plan B. Here's Carolyn Maloney again. I don't like to think of uh, defeat, but if by some reason we don't win at the Supreme Court, they will argue that there was a deadline, the deadline has passed, you did an extension for three years, that has passed, they will argue the deadline. Um, we will argue that it's not relevant, uh, they, 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 the bill has been ratified. If it is uh, not approved by the Supreme Court, then my bill goes back and starts all over again. And I believe with the energy and with the number of women that are in Congress now, and the changing attitude across the country when you hear states like Utah and Arizona and South Carolina 
are working with bipartisan support to ratify it in their states, I believe it would be like 1972 in that states would move quickly to ratify it, only we would get very quickly 38 states to ratify it and make it permanent in the Constitution. The main point is that we're not giving up. We are going to win. Any hurdle that they throw at us, uh, we have a backup plan. Uh, So in the event that we do not win at the Supreme Court, we are ready to go and have uh, numerous over 100 co-sponsors already in the House, and I believe it would pass very quickly. Um, One of the reasons is that we have a Democratic House and we have a Democratic Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, who has been a champion for the rights of all people and strongly supports the Equal Rights Amendment in whatever form we can finally get it passed and ratified and in the Constitution to protect the equality of women and men. This, my friends, is where you come in. We've covered the history of the ERA from start to present. This legislation is on the table right now. The bill the House passed is now stuck in Mitch McConnell's black hole of an inbox. I know right now, maybe more than ever, we all want to find ways to feel useful and active. Grab yourself a couple of postcards, write to your senators, pick up the phone and call. But ERA movement is living and breathing. We're fighting hard to get this thing finalized by whatever means necessary. When we win, what happens next? What does this thing mean moving forward, and who will pick up the mantle? Next time, on our season finale of Ordinary Equality, we're talking about how adding the ERA to the Constitution will impact our society, the work that still lies ahead, and the exciting next generation of young ERA activists carrying the torch forward. Generation Ratify. Ordinary Equality is a Wonder Media Network production, edited and produced by Liz Smith. Executive produced by Jenny Kaplan, with support from Edie Allard and Louisa Garbowit. Our theme music is composed by Rachel Wardell. Special thanks to my employer, Equality Now, an international human rights organization that works to protect and promote the rights of women and girls around the world. To learn more about what you can do to support the passage of the Equal Rights Amendment, check out equalitynow.org E-R-A. To follow along with our journey, Find us on Twitter at Ord Equality. If you like our show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Wonder Media Network is a women-led podcasting company dedicated to lifting up underrepresented voices based in New York City. For too long, history lessons have glossed over the truly essential contributions women have made to history. That's part of why I started this podcast and why I partnered with Wonder Media Network to produce the show. They have another show in their network that I really think you'll love called Encyclopedia Womanica. Every weekday, host Jenny Kaplan highlights remarkable women from antiquity to today who have shaped our society forever. The best part is each episode is only five minutes long. The bite-sized episodes pack painstakingly researched content into fun, entertaining, and addictive daily adventures. Subscribe to Encyclopedia Womanica wherever you get your podcasts.